Hi, this is Florian um, with 99 Startups and I have today a new guest. So would you be so kind to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Christine, uh, working for Startup Colors at the moment and in a special um, IoT project as well. So I'm happy to be here and thank you for, for the invitation. Cool. Yeah, it's nice to have you on the podcast. Um, could you uh, tell us a bit more about your story? How did you uh, got to this point where you are today? Um, yes, of course, and I'm happy to do it because it was not a straight way. I uh, started my, my journey um, very early when I was uh, 15 or 16 or something like this. So I started working very early and uh, it was a lot of fun. But then um, when I was 14, I was diagnosed uh, with a very heavy illness. So And I was uh, taught uh, that it's not possible to get kids anymore. Uh, at this point, it was, it was very fine. Um, but when I was 22, um, um, I got the information that I was pregnant and it changed everything. So, um, yeah, I have to do a break in my, in my study and uh, was a single mom at first. And uh, that's why I started at the very bottom with a lot of uh, assistant jobs. But then I decided to, to study again to change my career path a little bit. So um, later on, um, I made another master, and I, I started um, at an. I started to work as an innovation manager in an innovation lab, and uh, as a consultant as well. So, um, yeah, I followed the path, uh, not a straight straight way, but uh, now at this point, I'm pretty happy that I did all the the extra miles. So because innovation is one of my passion or one of the things I'm mostly passionate about it because for me personally stagnation is death so I'm pretty happy to deal every day with innovation and progress in, in my job and in my personal life yeah there's like there's like a lot of interesting things to uh, to discuss so I'm I'm wondering um, what what did you first study uh, uh, I studied business. I started studying business uh, in, in Rostock when uh, straight uh, after my A-levels. So, um, but uh, on the other hand, I worked in a um, in a student club as well. It was a was a great time and uh, was uh, in the beginning of my my twenties and was uh, firstly a bartender and then uh, responsible for all the marketing and innovation activities in the club. So uh, when I was 20 i had a budget over 200,000 euros for marketing activities in a small student club it was quite nice <laughs> and uh it was a really great time um yeah but then i uh, was maybe externally forced to make a break <laughs> because having a kid and doing a lot of stuff um is not easy to combine um not just from the time-wise side, but even from the from the external side. So it's a little bit challenging to get in um, to get to get a job which is content-wise um, on a high level, but time-wise not. So this was a was a um, the time in the early or oh, it was two thousand five, two thousand six, seven. Um, I get a good exam, so. 
that was quite okay. But to get a job with a child in part-time um, content-wise was not that easy. Yeah, I can I can quite imagine. Um, also, because it was it was more like a surprise because you didn't expect it and you didn't plan with it. Um, how did you how did you feel in this situation? How did you think about the situation? How did you learn or 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 starting to learn to cope with it? Because it's it's probably one of the biggest challenges you can hit like have suddenly the responsibility for a for a kid and this is alone and still need to build up your career um i think at this point it was quite challenging because um it was not that common to work part-time in a, in a job where you have a lot of responsibilities so at this point um the jobs in part-time were mostly on an um, assistant side But even with your mental load, uh, being responsible for a job and being responsible for a kid is hard as well. And uh, from my perspective now, it's pretty easy to say, hey, it was a great time or it was a, was a good thing that I combined it and that, um, um, that, I, put all, uh, that, that I put everything under one head. But uh, at this point, when I was a bit younger, um, I felt very challenged in a lot of uh, parts of my life because... At the same time, a lot of other uh, friends and, uh, yeah, let's say colleagues, uh, but, but mostly friends, uh, started their careers and their jobs as well, but they do, did not have a kid at this point. So I saw a lot of uh, women and friends and people around me um, starting a career in full-time jobs and then me on the other side. And I always thought, hey why they can get it and why I, uh, I'm not uh, able to do it as well. So um, it was not the best time for myself for confidence, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which, which is understandable. Um, but today, um, I have yeah. to, to edit, but today, uh, I mean, my son is 15 now. Um, I know that it was a very challenging time, but um, right now I have a lot more time to do things for my career because he is very, very uh, by his own. So he can, he can, can deal a lot with, with himself. It's pretty great. Now I'm 38 and I have a 15-year-old son and uh, it starts getting more easy, which not means that it's easy, but it's, it starts getting more easier <laughs> when you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know what you mean. And also because if you if you're getting kids later in life, then you have the time challenge just later in your time in your career. So you will like kids are a responsibility and kids are a time challenge, and um, so it will it will come. You can't you can't avoid it if you want to have kids. I'm I also wondering if you would say in a backward perspective in a, that um, you grow a lot on this in this in this. Um, in this time because sometimes you say uh, if challenges are harder you can you also have more more um, more motivation to grow or more you're forced kind of to grow as a personality um yes but at this point i do not have a decision so i was responsible for a kid and i was responsible for my own life because on the other side um it's not possible to be just responsible for one of it um There's always a saying, happy mother, happy child, and all that stuff. Uh, it's true, but it's challenging in the same way. So 
Um, but just because you, you get a get a child, that does not mean that you uh, stop to exist as an own person. You have your own interests, you have your own hobbies maybe, or you uh, want to do something without your child as well. So, um, and that's, that's not easy to keep all this in balance, but the, at the end, um, this completes your life. It's not, not just you get a kid and of course the kid is uh, an important factor and ah, your love and, and all that stuff. But yeah, you have to keep in mind that you are a person as well. And that's, and you have to allow yourself to have other interests. And, and that's, of course, not in your job, but in your, um, in your private life as well. Yeah, and you're, it's your responsibility then, then to, to kind of find a ways to make this time, even if it's, if it's difficult. Like, um, probably you're still, as a human, always responsible to manage your life, and if you have a kid, to also manage, like, help. And yes, and I um, have to... And I really have to add that uh, Bennett um, added another perspective in, in, in my life. So um, before, uh, in my early 20s, I was very focused on my job and I, I was very focused, even um, even when I was just a student, I was very focused on the on the, on the study. I was very focused on the, the marketing uh, job because it was a lot of fun. I met great people and um, it was very cool to be in an ecosystem which was um, that dynamic and active. Um, but when I got Bennett, uh, it was a complete different perspective to life because it was a little bit more the family thing. And um, I was forced to, um, I was forced to have interests which lay before completely outside of my comfort zone. Yeah, and that's uh, perfect. So, uh, for example, in 2017, he forced me to go by bike to Paris <laughs> because oftentimes uh, he bet with his aunt that it's possible to go um, to Paris from Berlin by bike. And I often say, yeah, you can do it. You can do everything what you want. And uh, he was totally into this, that we did it in the summer holidays, that we go by bike from Berlin to Paris. And then I was forced to go <laughs> to um, uh, by bike to Paris. And uh, we never did a huge bike trip before. Uh, so I, have, I had a lot of pain in the first night <laughs> because I was not used to <laughs> cycle How, how long much. you need it? How long you need it? We need three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Three weeks and uh, around about 1,200 kilometers. Yeah. But and, it was but a great journey. Go, you didn't go back by bicycle, right? You, you, no. You didn't go back by, uh, by bus or by uh, airplane yeah. or... Yeah, uh, by train. Yeah, yeah. great. <laughs> but um, yeah. there's a, a one story I would never... Um, experience by my own idea yeah and it, it's also a nice example because you you grow mostly as personality um to getting out of your comfort zone like in the process of get, getting out of your comfort zone comfort zone and um yeah and then that's a nice way to to have a trigger from from this side and it's it's stunning also from from a small kid like you don't know how to handle it because if 
like if it's your first, so everything is new. So this comes by design at this point. Um, yeah. So um, going out of your comfort zone is a, a good point concerning innovation as well, right? To get the trick back. <laughs> correct, correct. So um, I would say first, how did how did you how did you plan your career then? Um, like during the the times uh, with the kid, and then if you if you grow more time, like how did you how did you push your career forward? What was your your plan now? Your thinking or your strategy? In my early twenties, uh, my strategy was uh, studying and getting a great job, and uh, yeah, being on trips all the time. And uh, then I got Bennett, and then um, I tried to survive every day because um, handling everything and uh, keeping or being on track concerning a career uh, was never easy, um, as I said before. Um, but at one point, um, I thought, okay, when I will do this job further and further and further, I will always stay a secretary. And that was the point um, I decided to study again. And um, after the study, because that was a very hard one, um, my, my you, first study was... study again? That was just the, uh, the comparison between the two. Uh, the first study was uh, a diploma and it was pretty free. You could choose a lot of courses. You can, uh, you, uh, we, um, I was able to uh, choose a lot of uh, lecturers, teachers, professors. It was very, very free. And the second one was the complete opposite of it. It was uh, all structured. It was like school. It was uh, with um, an attendance list. Uh, it was just, uh, you were just able to, um, miss a course two times. Otherwise, you have to do it. Had to do it to do it again. And uh, at one point, Bennett was pretty sick. Uh, I missed two courses uh, within a test, and I had to uh, write additional to uh, additionally to the other uh, tests two papers uh, to stay in the course and all that stuff. So it was pretty hard. And at this point, I uh, I thought, okay, it's not possible to work with a child it's not possible to study with this child it's just possible to stay at home and <laughs> be, uh, stay in the kitchen and it was so frustrating at this point and i decided uh, that i would never work as an assistant and a secretary again <laughs> yeah and um, i'm on track since then <laughs> so um so what, what was the content of your study like what was the subject or what was the the field um I started to study in Rostock, but I finished it in Kiel, and it was one of the first study where it was possible to focus on innovation management um, in your main study. And uh, later on, I did uh, yeah, not the same, but a very similar one. It was in, in Berlin, and I studied uh, innovation management as well, so with a focus on innovation management. So why did you choose innovation because it's my passion, really. Um, stagnation is death, and I really like progress for myself. I like progress for the society. I I really enjoy it to work in that field, in that ecosystem, because it's a very dynamic one. Um, I love to to ideate to uh, in my private life and in my work life as well. So uh, it was. I think it was not a. Um, a decision, I think it comes naturally. Can, can you remember the moment when you figured that out? Like when you found out that uh, you like innovation? Do you have a key moment for that? 
Mm. I'm not quite sure if it was a key, a key moment, but uh, it was a kind of a process. When I was very young, I started to... Um, hmm. Originally, I wanted to become a fashion designer, but then I figured out that um, it was not the fashion itself, but it was the, the dynamic of the whole branch or the industry that you that it's possible to come out with ideas over and over again. And at this point, um, yeah, I really found out, I think that it was not a, what a moment by itself, but um, yeah, kind of a progress that I found out that, that the, the progress um, is my passion and not the fashion. Yeah, ideation is really one of the things I love most in innovation. I know that's not the key, but it's uh, the initiator, oftentimes. So, okay, we uh, we had the initiator of uh, innovation. What you would say is, are the other key points about innovation? About innovation, uh, the key points are patience and persistence and, uh, for me. Um, of course, uh, mod um, communication as well, because it's not... You can be innovative and do not talk about it, but it does not make sense for a company or for anyone else uh, from my perspective. Um, but for being su successful in doing innovation or innovation management, um, you have to be patient and you have to be persistent because otherwise it would not, not be possible. There are always constraints about it and there are always... Um, a lack of bravery or um, a lot of energy to stay in the status quo because it's easy. We had the comfort zone before, so it's kind of similar thing. It's easier to stay in a, in a status quo than to, to move on. But on the other hand, it's not possible to stay in a status quo. We see it in the automotive industry. We see it in a lot of industries, uh, IoT, um, there are a lot of progress in these industries and it would not be possible to, to stay in the status quo at this point. Yeah, I would I also, I was also add in, in, uh, like that the goal setting, like the reason why you want to have something is, is also really important for innovation. Oh, really, yeah. So you should focus Agreed. on the problem you want to solve really hard and then innovation is just a, a method to to find potential solutions try them out and then find the one which works because what you said is also right um, if you do real innovation you can't predict what what happens it's uh, kind of unpredictable because um, it's too new or it's too too difficult challenge or you do something never it was never done before so I would probably add this to the topic. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. Agreed. Innovation is kind of a vehicle, right? To to transfer things from one point to another. Um, but it would not even be possible to stay at one point, mostly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's probably also in our, in our nature to, to make progress, and uh, or at least it should be in the nature of humans to, to solve problems and make the world a better place. And it's just a question. Uh, where you put your focus in. So, mm -hmm. of course, you could uh, solve the problem to build this better computer, 
but you could also solve the problem of the CO2 emissions of cars. Um, it's up to you as a person what you what you yeah. have more passion for. Yeah, um, and I think that's that's one point we see in the last um, years. Um, purpose in your work and purpose in your activities are a key factor for a lot of stuff. Yeah, it, it seems like it, it, it uh, got bigger and bigger, the topic mm -hmm. of purpose uh, in the last uh, years or yeah. maybe centuries. And probably it will also go more in this direction. Uh, it's also it's all already um, shown in Fridays for Future movement. You like to have a purpose and a passion in life. So, um, yeah. Will be interesting. Yeah, but I see, yeah, but I see it in myself as well, and maybe you too. Um, a purpose in life is key to move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely um, the, a task for everyone to to find a purpose in life. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also really a unique topic for someone uh, uh, for someone to to find it because it's, it's sometimes also not easy to find the purpose or the passion for someone. So after your studies, like, how did you find your first job? Like, what was your, your first uh, steps out of the my university? First, yeah, my first step. Um, so I already said that the, the first study was not the, the opener to a, a great job, um, but it was the opener to a good assistant job. And uh, after finishing my second study, um, I started working as a consultant um, at the company I worked before as an assistant. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> um, even patience is here uh, key. <laughs> Not just in innovation, but uh, sometimes uh, in the personal thing as well or in the uh, career path. So I started at uh, Joschka Fischer and Company as a consultant for uh, um, management, innovation and sustainability. It was a was a good start, I think. So Joschka yeah. Fischer and Company is a company from Joschka Fischer, or just mm -hmm. yeah? Okay, it's one of the one of the CEOs, and um, he's still active in the company. And uh, he started after his political career uh, building up the consultant company for um, sustainability. It was quite unique at this point, so it was a good purpose for me as well to work there. Yeah, it was a, was a good time. And at this point, it was possible to work as a consultant, um, but in part-time. Yeah. So um, it was an, an enabler as well, of course. It's, it's also a good deal for the company itself, because normally as assistant, you have a lot of insights of the company, you know how they work and so on. And that's a nice foundation to build on that as innovation manager, because mm -hmm. as innovation manager, you need to have an understanding of what's going on in front of you. And if yeah. you don't have it, you need to start to build it up, which costs time. So and if you have it before you work there as in different role beforehand, there, then um, you, you can uh, skip this, this learning process. Yeah, and was, um, it was quite nice to, to start there. And um, in addition, I start uh, in a training as a design thinking coach. So um, I wanted to focus more on innovation than in sustainability. Sustainability was quite nice, but innovation, uh, as I already said, uh, was my, my purpose and my passion. And so I uh, decided to do this uh, additional training to be, become a design thinking coach. And um, it opens my perspective for innovation and ideation furthermore. So that was um, 
quite nice. And after the step, um, I changed my my job to uh, or started working in an innovation lab of a small and medium or uh, in an innovation lab of an SME. Yeah, as an innovation manager, focusing uh, on venture activities. So I was was responsible for implementing relationship to startups. Yeah, so that's a typical um, tactic of, of uh, companies to say, okay, uh, we try to to get forward in the innovation field with uh, corporations, with, with startups, mm -hmm. or like with exchange with startups. Um, so you build up from the scratch there? Um, almost, yeah, almost. Um, the lab exists for some months when I joined, but uh, it was not further, it was not completely developed. And um, yeah, we started from scratch concerning the venture activities and the um, cooperation with startups as well. We had nice projects with startups. And of course, um, it's a um, two-sided relationship. We as an SME wanted to get in touch with startup, startups to um, learn more about their culture, learn more about their um, ability to be flexible, to uh, innovate, and on the other hand, um, we can we could contribute to their development as well. It was a yeah, it was a quite nice project or quite nice projects. So it was not just one. What were the key learnings you took out of this time? Oh, several. Um, I spotted at myself um, the fun to support startups and of of founders or startups as well. That was one key thing for me. Um, and I had the chance to observe a lot of difficulties to implement an innovation lab in an SME and um, the difficulties to um, the difficulties uh, di uh, which you have when it's not that easy to um, to set the goal to set the goals for an innovation lab. So at this point, it was quite popular to implement an innovation lab to, uh, to implement the, the culture or to, to succeed the cultural shift. But at the end, I think there are some, some learnings out of this era which um, can be turned into successful or into success factors now so um, I mentioned already the patience and the persistence which you have to have when you want to have an innovation shift but you even have to adapt the culture of your company as well so um, an innovation lab is not a purpose in itself it's just yeah. successful when you implement it in the right way and when you equip it in the right way and when you are aware of the goals you want to achieve with it. It's even fine if you want to have it for marketing issues, yeah? But then you have to fake it until you make it and you have to communicate about it and you have to be um, honest to yourself about your mission. But if you want the real cultural shift, if you want real innov innovation, then you have to be prepared to a marathon and uh, need time, you need resources and... Um, You need to be sure about your goals. 
So if you could, um, you get hired in a company and uh, starting from the scratch there to implement a, a innovation lab, what would be the right way to implement it? <laughs> oh, I don't know about the right way, but uh, <laughs> um, I can share my my first step with you. My first step would be um, a collection of ideas of all the board members, what they want to achieve with the innovation lab. That would be my first step. Then out of it, I want to, uh, I would compromise it or I would um, compress it into a strategy. And um, I would um, bring the goals in a, in a, in a structure. And then I would look for activities I want to do with these or to achieve these goals. This would be my strategy. And it can either be uh, communication-wise, it can either be, either be um, cultural-wise. I mean, um, in an ideal world, the innovation lab would have an influence factor on all of these uh, departments and all of these parts of, of the company. But not one year later. <laughs> Maybe even not two years later <laughs> after implementation. Yeah, it's it's probably I would I would add on this point for the goal setting. It's probably good to have a f only a few goals, not too many. Or if mm -hmm. you have many, just prioritize them really hard. Mm -hmm. So priority yeah. means one. So only one main goal everyone can commit to. And the other side goals are nice to have. And then I understand what you say with the communication and uh, showing results and. Um, showing impact or making impact yeah it's probably partly luck so you need kind of have the luck to have the right problems and find the right solutions fast because patient is king how you already said um but also what you said on the beginning i think communication is also key so you need to find a way to have a effective communication inside the company which is um heard and um, um resonates um yeah yeah. And you have to find a way uh, which everyone is picked up at where they stand. So your colleagues, your, um, the employees of the company, uh, everyone has to be aware of, uh, everyone have to be aware of this mission. It's not, it's, it's the wrong way to implement an innovation lab and uh, think that everything comes naturally, the, uh, the cultural shift and all that stuff. That would not be the case. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I agree. And also, uh, if I'm thinking about it, it's, it's also kind of hard to um, set a good goal, like to define a good good goal for Innovation Lab. Uh, would you have an example? What would be an, a good main goal? I think it's uh, pretty important that you do not have opposite goals. It's not possible to implement new business models and... Um, but just in a field which do not cannibalize your uh, original business model. It's always the balance between the new one and the status quo, as already said, but it's not possible to implement new business models to make a company um, aware for the future and on the other side, limit these possibilities to a very small field. So you can be innovative, but not that much that it cannibalizes us. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And this could, it could be a, a set strategy that you say, uh, we do by purpose um, disrupt ourselves. There's like a nice example from the Ergo uh, Insurance. Uh, they just uh, founded a new new company, which is completely digitalized, and then by purpose disrupt a certain field of their own um, own um, own field um, as a test, and it go really much. So it was quite successful. But it's a strategy decision you do by purpose, and yeah, yeah. But, but probably because it's it's there's so much buzzwords running around in innovation that I would probably, and the goal, um, let the buzzwords out as much as possible because this this words have the problem that everyone thinks something about, it, like see them as something else, and then you have miscommunication uh, built into the into the, the the wording there. So probably I would say something in the range of K. Um, for the beginning, you probably um, find problems and define them and describe them. So, and if you have already problems there, then you would say, okay, um, solve one problem for uh, like in-house for the company and one big problem um, for, I don't know, for a customer, for example. And then you define what a big problem is on a certain KPI value, like how much value is behind it or something. And probably go from there in a, in a goal setting because if you keep it really off business model and business cases and what anything else then um this come naturally because if you say okay i want to have a business model which disrupt ourselves in in the next few years it's it's narrow you down out of my gut feeling a lot and innovation only works if you keep it open and uh, stay open-minded and then just go with things which work yeah, I think oftentimes it's the other way around. It's not finding a good, uh, disruptive model. It's just, oh, having a, an, uh, an innovation lab is quite nice, but uh, do not be that disruptive. Um, it's oftentimes a, like a marketing issue, I think. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's not innovation, that's marketing. So uh, yeah. if you want to be innovative, you, um, as you already said, you, you have to be pretty open to, to what comes out of it. Out, of it and if you want to um, to find a solution for a need you have to be aware that it might be a disruptive solution as well and then you have to be brave and go the extra mile and say yes um, that's what we found out that's what we want to do and that is what uh, will keeps us safe or aware or prepared for the future that's the hardest step maybe to yeah. allow yourself as a company to maybe disrupt yourself. I think it's yeah. not that often. <laughs> yeah. Understandable because you're responsible for your employees as well. And if it's not the, the correct path which you choose, then you disrupt your company and uh, <laughs> will not be prepared for the future as well. <laughs> the worst case. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. After your... Um, innovation lab experiences in a, in, a, uh, in a company. What was your next steps? Oh, the next step was quite nice because I had the chance to be a senior program manager in an incubator. So I was uh, responsible for setting up an incubator and uh, um, structure it, 
be aware of the program the the founder have to have to visit and uh, that was quite nice because i got in touch with a lot of startups and a lot of uh, pre-seed companies so uh yeah and it was a good experience to work with them to support them to uh, give them nice or maybe not that nice uh, ideas to progress <coughs> So you saw then the, the other side, mm -hmm. not the company innovation side, the poor innovation side from a startup perspective. Yeah, yeah. And it's a complete different thing because um, at this point, as a startup, you are, um, yeah, you are quite flexible. So it's a complete different side from being a corporate innovation lab. Yeah. It's, uh, <clears throat> and it's good and scary at the same point, at the same time, because... Um, in an innovation lab from a company, you make a suggestion, you have an idea, you have a project, and a lot of other people say yes or no or yes or no or something like this. So it took a lot of time. But in when you suggest something to a startup at one day, maybe the next day it's implemented and it doesn't work. So you are uh, more responsible than ever for your suggestions, for your ideas, and uh, yeah. Uh, luckily, it's, uh, I never suggest something which was a totally mistake. <laughs> um, but it's a, another kind of a responsibility. Yeah, um, but on the other side, um, I would go there probably more with uh, Jeff Bezos because Jeff Bezos says, okay, if you have two ideas and you don't know which is the right one, just do fast, like just decide fast and go for one. And if it's the wrong one, you have still the time, like just do the other one um, but um, the only the only way how you know if something works or not is just doing it and then getting your results and then working yeah with it. and of course that it's pretty easy in a startup and not in a corporate innovation app correct yeah, yeah. it's yeah it's, it's probably faster in a startup because you don't have so many and deciding layers uh, involved in it uh, cool so um, what happened after the incubator After the incubator, now I joined a company which is, um, yeah, a little bit similar to the last one. So it's a small agency for innovation and entrepreneurship. Uh, so um, this small agency has an own incubator as well. Um, before I was uh, focused on a smart city topic and now it's a little bit more in the healthcare thing. But um, additionally... I'm not that uh, responsible for the incubator, but it's nice that I'm still in touch with startups and um, this mentality and this ecosystem. But now I'm responsible for an uh, other project. Um, it's called Intelliat. And Intelliat is a, um, a project um, in a field of the Horizon 2020 projects from the European Commission. And it's focused on IoT. Um, it's a consortium project with uh, in total 13 companies from nine countries in Europe. And I'm responsible for uh, the open call, which starts next year. And for dissemination and ecosystem building. But um, my focus is the open call next year. So next year, we are going to uh, implement new startups or SMEs to the project as well to enrich the technique and the, the knowledge of the consortium. So uh, what is an open call then? 
um, in the open call, we are looking for um, other consortia partners. And um, in the next month, starting 2021, um, we are going to implement use cases uh, within the consortia. So we have the topics agriculture, healthcare, and uh, manufacturing. So we are going to implement uh, new technologies in, the, in these three fields. And beginning next September, we are looking for complementary companies in the field of startups or SMEs to um, add to the consortia and to test and evaluate the technology which is invented in the next month. Yeah, cool. So using using the framework as a summary to mm -hmm. say. Um, yeah. So you had quite an interesting journey to become an innovation manager. Uh, yes. What would be your recommendations for a young person which want to follow your steps and want to also become an innovation manager? What, what would your advice for them? Keep on track, I think. If you want, if you want to do something, you are always able to do it. And um, I know from my way that it's sometimes hard to believe it. Um, but please be kind to yourself and uh, sometimes a little bit patient. It's uh, one of the key words, I think, in this podcast, patience. Ha, ha, ha. Um, to, yeah, to, yeah, to reach your goals. It's possible. It's always possible. When you want to do something, it's possible to get it. Sometimes, uh, not on the straight way. Yeah. Oftentimes, I think, not on the straight way. <laughs> yeah. And uh, normally on, on this, on this uh, point in the podcast, I ask them um, if the way to your now position you have uh, was different for you as a woman. So this, this question has different <laughs> aspects to it. So um, what would you say also like from the positive side I have to think about it. The positive side, of course, it's um, I got a lot of impressions and uh, um, had the chance to <clears throat> to get knowledge in fields which I was not able to discover if I had walked this the straight path. You know what I mean? So it, um, my path was very curvy, um, but a lot of things on it, a lot of jobs, a lot of insights I got. Um, makes, uh, makes me able to understand the whole system. No, yeah, not, not the not the whole it, system, but it's, you know, it, 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 uh, it's a little bit hard to explain. Um, but I think you know I, what I, I mean, am, right? I know, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So it's about um, it, it helps a lot if you if you get a broader knowledge of how things work and how the world works. It's not only hey, I studied two subjects, so I know more. It's more about life experiences, and if you experienced more different things in life, um, this is probably more valuable for an employee uh, or for a company which employs you than, than just, you know, getting into university, getting out of university, doing your first job and then doing just 
mostly working in the same company and doing the same same thing. And um, if you experience certain certain things in life, um, also like yeah, um, with the, and learn to cope with certain scenarios, this is probably super valuable. Maybe I can give an example. Um, I started as an exist, uh, as an assistant in um, bookkeeping and all that stuff. And further on in the um, being a program manager for the startup incubator comes together with a lot of responsibilities in reporting and bookkeeping, kind of bookkeeping as well. So it's, it was easier for me to get into this because I had the experience before. And I never thought that it would be valuable to make or to go the extra mile, but it was valuable. And I didn't realize it at this point uh, when I was the assistant because I was in the mindset, hey, that's so sad. I have a, I have a diploma and my colleague uh, have a diploma as well or has a diploma as well and work in a complete uh, different field uh, concerning co content and um, Con, uh, being a consultant and I was just the assistant in the bookkeeping but later on it turned out um, it was not a wasted time it was easier yeah. to get in, in other fields as well yeah. and uh, that's why I would suggest or I would really really um, tell myself tw uh, 10 years ago be a little bit more uh, kind to yourself <laughs> Put not that yeah. much, much pressure and, on you. <laughs> and I would also add to this because this can be easily missed. You still did a good work, so it would be not uh, good. It would have been not good for you to to give yourself up and say, "Okay, I hate this work and it's not good and it's so unfair." Um, this would be the the, uh, the wrong route because um, then you would get only like not good things out of it. But if you always give your best and you always do a good job then good things can come out of whatever you do right now yeah. yes cool so and then also a, a question where where you probably uh, have a really interesting answer is what do you think about work-life balance work-life balance um is not easier when you have a lot of interests um um, but when you have a job, which is part of your life balance as well, uh, of course, it's easier. Um, my recommendation would always be um, the job is not everything. Um, for myself, I just can be good in my job when I have other things as, as well around me, my friends, my, my hobbies, and um, I'm interested in a lot of things. I love to um, I love to dance. I love to be um, active in my flat, so renovating and putting a new floor on my flat and all that stuff is essential for for my life. <laughs> so it's not possible to just focus on the job even when there are phases where I have to focus on the job or where I have to focus on my child or where I have to focus on my a dancing group um, so balance is a hard thing <laughs> but yeah. an important thing to to have progress in, in in life or to be to live a happy life 
Um, yeah, and not a boring life, right? Yeah. Just being with your colleagues and just being focused on your job is, for me, too less. Yeah. It's understandable. So, uh, what are your favorite books? <laughs> My favorite book. <sighs> Every time I go, when I go into a bookstore, <clears throat> it's pretty sad because um, I realize that it's not possible to read all the books in the store. Yeah. So, um, choosing a favorite book is not that easy. And I probably have one today and one tomorrow and another one in three weeks. So it's not easy to, to pick just one. I, so, I really can, uh, concerning innovation, I can really recommend How to Fly a Horse. It's okay. quite a nice book. It's written by Kevin Ashton. He is one of the um, fathers of the IoT okay. thing. And he wrote a book um, about innovation and um, interesting personalities. It's not easy to read when you are not um, na a native English speaker because yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of special special things uh, in it uh, concerning about, uh, for example, the Angiogenesis by Judah Folkman. But it is a really, really good book. Cool. Yeah, nice recommendation. And also because uh, you can uh, tell us more than uh, one book. What are, what are your favorite books last week? Ha. Last week, <clears throat> um, I read What If. What If is a, is a book about a, a column by the New York, New York Times. And um, it's uh, about what would happen in some really, really unlikely events. Yeah. So how, for example, how could it be or how would it look like if the dinosaurs are still in New York? Yeah. <laughs> or how could it be if, or is it possible to have a laser pointer to uh, point out the moon? Yeah. And all that stuff. So it was uh, quite interesting as well. <laughs> Yeah, sounds quite inspirational. <laughs> and um, my last question for you is, uh, what kind of advice would you give to your 18 or 20-year-old self? Oh, be kind to yourself. <laughs> really, be kind to yourself and put not that much, much pressure on it. You are enough. Yeah, there's yeah. no reason why you're not enough. Yeah. Uh, would it be a different advice for your 30-year-old self? For what? For your 30-year-old self. Uh, no. Still stays the same. Still, okay. still the same. Yeah, you are enough. <laughs> cool. Yeah, you are enough. It's a um, you are enough is a is a thing that um, it's hard to say um, if I am enough because I always think that I'm not enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Or. <laughs> Oh, if I'm really enough. And of course, I try to uh, pray to myself that I'm enough, but sometimes it's, it's harder than in other times. Yeah, that's, that's the reason why I like to saying there's no reason why you're not enough, because this yeah. helps to, to cut off a lot of concerns you have. It's also the same that um, Buddha said, enlightenment is the, um, the 
the end of pain. Uh, mm. But he also used uh, explaining to to cut off a lot of potential things you could worry about. Christine, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much for yeah. being on the podcast. Thank you so much for the invitation. And uh, yeah, it was a pleasure for me too. See you next time, guys. Bye-bye.